Welcome. You're listening to a Mr. Thrive Media production. Frankie Fade is a music producer who comes here on the show not just to introduce his new single, but also primarily to provide unique advice that you never hear most musical talent provide. I'm incredibly excited for you to hear this personal, intimate interview that I had with the man, the myth, the legend himself, Frankie Fade. Also, February 22nd at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard is when we are having our Black History Month Artist Upsurge event. It is going to be incredibly exciting. Our opening speaker is Juliet Romeo, and our headliner is the First Lady. The First Lady is Frankie Fade's cousin. You're not going to want to miss it. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. You have stumbled upon the Mr. Thrive Podcast, where together we discover established artists. Music producer and songwriter, Frankie Faye. Frankie, welcome to the show. It's been far too long in the making to make this happen. I'm so pumped you're here. Man, appreciate it, man. Of course, I'm pumped too. I I love talking. (laughs) I love talking and giving information. You're in the right place, I'll say that. And you have a very interesting announcement to make about your career and where it's going right now. But before we get into that, we have our season three trivia warm-up. Are you ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. Okay, cool. So here's the thing. When we do the pre-interview session, I always find information about something that you care deeply about. And I find trivia on that to see how well you know it. So because of the relevance to this episode and what's going on, this is a good hint for what what Frankie's about to announce here on this show. It's really, really exciting. I found trivia on the one and only Snoop Dogg. How well do you think you know Snoop Dogg? Oh, man. As well as any other, you know, fan that's not a super, super, super fan, but, you know, I grew up on him, so. Okay. I'm, well, I'm sure I'll get something right. I think you'll get something right. So, Here we go. I got three questions. They're multiple choice, so you'll be able to pick A through D. Here we go. You ready? Mm -hmm. Question one. Why did Snoop Dogg's mom nickname him Snoopy? Was it A, Charlie Brown was his favorite TV show? B, he looked like the cartoon character growing up? C, he was nosy? Or D, he liked to wander in the night? Charlie Brown was his favorite television show. It's actually he looked like the cartoon character according to his mom. That's what. Oh, okay, that's what. I knew it was something. I knew it was something to do with that. Right. Right. Okay. Nah, yeah, that's okay. Start, you know. That's okay. We're having fun here. We're having fun. I probably <laughs> would have guessed the same thing to be honest. Question yeah. two: What character did Snoop play in the 2004 film Starsky and Hutch? Was it A. Huggy Bear, B. Gummy Bear, C. Yogi Bear or D Teddy Bear? It was Huggy Bear. Ah, correct. Correct. Did you see that movie? Yeah. <laughs> it's a classic. Yeah, yeah. It's a classic. I love it. Uh-huh. And finally, Absolutely. our third question Snoop Dogg holds the Guinness World Record for the largest A joint rolled, B album revenue sales, C cocktail or d mansion the largest joint rope it's actually incorrect you'd think that's what it is but it's actually he made the largest cocktail it was over like 130 gallons apparently and it was for like this huge party yeah this is a real thing this is a real thing 
Man, yeah. dang. That's crazy. <laughs> but I think everyone would have, I think everyone would have had uh the the same answer for sure about the joint. I again yeah. I, another one I would have guessed for sure. Um yeah, that was definitely a trick, a trick question. That was you did. Hey man, you listen, you, you came on here having fun, you had a good time. That's all that matters. Uh that that's all that I'm trying to get here. It's a good one. I'm trying to get us out of our element. Frankie, you came onto the show because you have something really exciting to announce. We've kind of teased it a little bit with this trivia. What's going on in the life of Frankie and where is it going right now? Well, that's not really why I came on to the show. That has something to do with it, but I like, I believe I have something to offer as in the form of information that would actually inspire people because um, there's a lot of people, not specifically in the music business, but as far as, um, you know, people that who are either like uh, self-centered too self-centered or not able to articulate information that's really crucial to the next person that's trying to get to a certain level to actually elevate. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't, don't share like things like what I'm about to say that's hopefully would be a benefit to someone that's actually coming up uh, or trying to, pursue music or something like that you know to that nature that's really why i like to to speak because you know on in the other hand like i've i've done a few things actually quite a bit of things that i don't talk about because i don't like talking about myself just to be talking even though some things are exciting you know it's i mean i don't i just don't like talking unless it, there's a message or a meaning you know, or in detention, you know, not just to boost, you know, boost myself up, but you know, that's a, just a little. Well, that's, that. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think like many of the other musicians who will be listening to this episode got to be eager as to what this elevating helpful information is. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm at a little bit of a loss too. I don't exactly know where we're going with this podcast. So I'll let you take the lead on this man. <laughs> yeah, I always have a. I um, I've been taught early on by Hakim Khalik that that was the guy that he's actually um, the uh, co-founder of the Radio Bombs, who that which was a radio show that um, stemmed from um, this radio station in Denver, Colorado, with DJ Jones. Um, it's it's still going strong today, I believe. But Hakeem was the one that really kind of discovered me, you know, you know, in the sense that I was actually making tracks. That's that was the first thing I did when I started making music. I was making tracks just for fun and stuff like that. I did something for a local singer, who, which I met my first year of college. You know, he's like, he's, I, I sing. I said, well, I make. I make beats, but you know, it was just for fun at that time. So we're making stuff. And then Hakeem discovered me that, you know, I had a little something and he's the one that, that taught me um, about the music business and that you can actually, and how you can actually make money. And uh, so he was managing me and, you know, he was my music publisher and he told, he taught me that intention, you have to have an intention behind everything that you're doing. And that's really 
the main way that how you that you're going to elevate to uh, in yourself and and your your uh, skill and your talents, and that's the really the main way that you're going to elevate to what you want to do in life at a high level, basically. So intention, intention, yeah. intention is the word for the, for today for this interview. I believe it's a great mindset to have. I remember when I was looking for new gym trainers, the, I, I had already reached a fitness goal when I was looking for this new trainer. And so I, my trainer asked me, what's your goal? And I said, you know, I don't really have a goal right now. I, I just reached the, this one. I didn't think I was going to get there and I got there, which I'm really, really pumped about. And then he said to me, ambiguous goals equals ambiguous results. And so with that, I've had a new intention with how I pursue my fitness and it's created the results that I need. I think that if everyone goes into their line of work or whatever it is that they're pursuing with that same mindset, that they can achieve truly anything. And that was just a really great way to put it. Yep. Man, that's it. Yeah. In this case, though, as you stated at the beginning, your intention really is to elevate others and to educate and to really come on, not just to talk about yourself, but to talk about something that can really be impactful to someone listening. Right. That's it. So the craziest thing happened. And, um, you know, you know, you go through life and, and there's like things that happen to you, uh, that you notice around you that could only be, God and it could only be you know some kind of force that's outside of you like there's no way you could have made made this up you know those kinds of things are special to actually pay attention to and pay attention to the sequence of events that that's leading up to it because you know once you practice paying attention to what's happening in your life then you'll begin to foresee the next stage of, of exciting things that will happen in your life. So like I've had many of those, those things happen enough to where um, I actually started paying attention. You have to choose, you have to open your mind to pay attention. So I decided to pay attention. And, and um, this particular most recent event that, that's happening with me, I actually saw every step. I saw every step and I recognized every step. And um, as I was taking the steps, I did my diligence in making sure that each step was was firm and and I knew what steps to take to get it to where it is now. And um, it's crazy. This podcast bleeds into a lot of other subject matter around arts and entertainment. There's okay. You know, we've we've talked about mental health on this show. We've talked about religion on this show. We've talked about uh, drug use, sexuality. You know, so this this show can really be about anything, but you're on here because you have information, you have an experience that can help people grow. Mm-hmm. And um, it, you, in many ways, are a mentor to those that are listening. And it's it's exciting. It's it's great. So that message is just to get right to it. <clears throat> how How can I say? That message is everything 
Well, I'm speaking, I'm speaking specifically to, I guess I could just speak specifically to uh, music producers and songwriters, particularly aspiring music producers and songwriters that think they want to do this. That message is like, you have to think opposite of what you were taught or what you were shown to think in terms of how to make it, quote unquote. It's literally, you know, in reverse. So what I could say is it's not who you know. It's not who you know. It's not who you know. So I'm, let's say I'm new to Los Angeles. I don't know anybody here. I have talent. I have skill. Like so many people do. Mm -hmm. What's my first step? What am I doing to pursue this complicated, twisted industry correctly? Talent is in everything. So when I say it's not who you know, it's who you are. It's who you make yourself to attract the people that want to know you. Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't until I was doing early on, like, you know, things weren't happening for me for years and years and years up until I started to change my mind and get over fear, you know, and um, what, what actually were you afraid focusing. Of? I was, I was afraid. I think I was afraid of success. Well, what happens when you achieve success? Well, I did, I hadn't achieved success at that time, at that time of being afraid of success. Once you get over being afraid of success and the way that you do that actually is like you just focus on yourself and elevating yourself in what you believe that you're great at. Once I started getting tired of chasing people and the who's who's and the what's what and the, you know, the scene, basically, you know, the whole, you know, Hollywood scene and the whole like trying to get on and all that stuff. You know, once you get fed up with that, you start to focus on yourself and have a narrow vision of how can I be the greatest? And once you start doing that, it doesn't make sense to a lot of people unless until you start actually working on that shit, till you start doing it. Like I, I was so tired of people that, you know, just people in situations that weren't going anywhere and stuff like that, you know, and chasing after people and waiting on people and, you know, knocking on doors and standing outside, just basically waiting on somebody to give me a shot that I said, man, fuck this. I'm going to make my own shot. Once you start working on your own shit and you, you're, you can, you have your testament to this too, because you're working, you, I'm sure, you know, like, as soon as you started working on your own thing, you know, people started attracting to you because you're building the platform. If it's that, it's that, you know, if you build it, they will come kind of thing. That's right. I think that's, that's one of the most underrated rules that is overlooked on a regular basis. Yeah, bro. I'm telling you. Like, so soon as I started focusing on myself, this is literally, this, this like can be translated to so many things in life. It's so relative to life in general. As soon as I started focusing on myself, 
people started attracting to me. You feel me? I do. I do. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking of parallels to my life as you're talking. People started attracting to me. So, and I, I think that it's attractive to be not self-centered, but to, to build yourself up so much to where you're confident and you're very bold and assertive in what you, what you're striving for. And people attract to that because people, the people that don't have that, which is the majority of people are followers and just, you know, going with the flow kind of people, you know, it takes a lot to be that person takes a lot of uh, strength and accumulation of knowledge and education of self and fearlessness to be that person to where, you know, you're walking with your head held high because a lot of people, they crave that, that, you know, that quality for themselves or, you know, if they're not striving for that, they just like to follow that, you know? So only then is when things started attracting to me and um, this situation that I'm going to tell about, talk about in this, in this show is actually, it's a result of that. So before we get into that, as you've been talking, I'm, I'm picking up on a certain cadence in your voice. Maybe I'm hyper analyzing this, but I have to ask this question because there's been kind of a, I feel like, I feel like there's like a hidden message that you're trying to put out there, right? With the way that you're talking, you haven't said it yet. You will, right? But are you speaking as someone who feels like they've made it? Have they've reached exactly where they want to be in their career? And um, is this recent? I'm speaking to someone that's potentially on the verge of getting to where they want to be. Well, that's quite exciting. How do you know that? Because I'm that. And there's a lot of people that are scared. I'm not scared anymore because I did the work. I did the work and I've set up the network. And, um, you know, it's just about timing as well. And um, I'm actually in a, in a place where, you know, I could say that, that, you know, I'm successful because I'm not, I'm not starving. You know, I'm, I pay, pay my own bills, you know, um, and then some, I'm doing pretty all right for myself. And I've touched literally like all my, you know, all my heroes when it comes to like, you know, producers and stuff like that. And what I mean by I've touched them is like, there's been like such certain situations where I've worked with these people or I've been like counseled by these people or mentored by these people, you know what I'm saying? So, and it's like, you know, one of those things where like when you're on the outside looking in to the fishbowl, you're like, wow, I wish I could be there. And fast forward, I've been there. I'm there. Give me an example. Um, well, for example, like there's been many situations where, you know, um, after doing the work on myself, 
you know, I would, I would find myself in these places, like, for example, like working with, you know, I've always admired, um, the Avila brothers and I've always admired, you know, people like DJ quick, little John, tricky Stewart. These are major, major, you know, record producers, right. You know, it's, it's just about like, you, you don't really realize it until you've been in that situation and you're in that music session. Right. And then you did something and everybody's high five. And then the, the very guy that, that you admired, like he, he has his hands on your shoulders and he's shaking you like, yeah, great job. <laughs> we did it. We did something. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm so in the zone, like in the moment that I'm like, I'm just like, whatever, uh, you know, let me, when do we get onto the next thing? And then you leave that night and you go home and then you're driving and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. Like, did, did that just, just happen? Right. That's gotta be a neat feeling. It's gotta be surreal. Yeah. Your very heroes like are high-fiving you and saying great, great work. And, and then you, you turn around and you realize and that, you know, those situations build you up over time to where you're just like, you in your mind, you're here because, you know, you've, you're doing the work. Tell me about a specific project that you take the most pride in. Um, I, I, the, I, okay, I'll tell you the very project that I take the most pride in is a record that I have coming Snoop, Snoop Dogg featuring. Well, it's not a feature. It's like, a, it's a, it's a, it's a group thing. Snoop Dogg and Billy Ray Cyrus record that I, I penned, I wrote, um, all the lyrics. I, I also, you know, assisted in the arrangement of the record too. It was produced by the Avila brothers who are just, you know, four or five time Grammy winners. They're the only to this day that I know of, they're the only um, Mexican American music producers that hold Grammys for urban music still Whoa. to this day. So you said Billy Ray Cyrus collaborated with Snoop Dogg, you got to work on that and not only work on it, but you wrote the lyrics for it. Yeah. Snoop Dogg was rapping your lyrics. Well, here's the thing. So I wrote the song eight years ago, nine years ago. Wow. So the record came about where um, I was really coming into myself at, at that time where, you know, I had taken the, you know, the shift. I had made, this, made the shift in my mind as I was talking about earlier about, you know, focusing on myself. And then these people attracted to me. Um, I found myself in the music studio of the Avila Brothers, um, which was, you know, shout out to Malik Rashid. He, at the time, he was a, um, an A&R at Epic Records under um, L.A. Reed, who had signed my, my artist at the time. Um, Nilo, by the way, was was the, the name of the artist. Um, I know Nilo. So, yeah, yeah. You, so you, you, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I know Nilo. I actually, yeah. yeah I I co-wrote the songs. Me and her wrote the songs that that got her her record deal. In I think it was 2015, wow. 16, something like that. Wow. Yeah, and you know, Malik Rashid, he kind of saw that you know 
you know, he looked at the group and, it, you know, he, he kind of picked me out and put his hand up, put his arm around my, my neck. It was like, yeah, this is Frankie. And he was kind of taking me around. The music industry was introducing me to all these producers. You know, after I was just like, you know, F everybody and, you know, I'm working on me. You know, that in turn, like, brought everything to fruition. So he he introduced me to the Avila brothers, and we they had an opportunity to work with this country singer. And uh, he's, he was independent. You know, he was, he was putting up the money and stuff like that. There was no record label involved, but it was a big, t- a very big deal, very big money, and very big, huge players in the, you know, the Nashville world and stuff like that. So... And that was like my introduction to doing anything outside of urban and so and pop. So that was like interesting to me. So I um, I wrote this song to this beat that is Avila actually produced. The Avila's Avila brothers are two. It's a group of two guys. It's um, Bobby and Is Is had sent me this record and. And Bobby was like, hey, you know, I'm hearing on this record a song about, you know, a man that works hard and gets out and, you know, provides for his family and all that stuff. And, and I'm hearing the concept. And it was it's it, this is special because it resonated with me so much because my my father had just passed in that time. Hmm. The, the very last thing that he had told me before he passed was never stop working hard, son. So the premise of the record was it was so it came so natural and I finished it so quick. I was like, OK, I'm going to call this hardworking man. You know, I wrote the lyrics and, um, you know, the very first lyric was, uh, I believe it was Papa told me you got to work hard, get your hustle on. And you're going to you'll hear, you know, when you when you know, whoever's listening to the record like you, you'll you'll hear where I'm coming from. You know, those are the very lyrics my dad told me when when he passed, you know, when and then I, I finished it and I showed it to everybody and they're like, wow. And really, the only parts that were included in the song at the time was Billy Ray's parts. Wow. At the time, it wasn't for Billy Ray. But as I was writing the record, I, 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 I kept seeing him in my mind and I had a tab when I write records, when I write lyrics and melodies and stuff, I always write on my laptop, right? And then I have tabs open of of uh, photos of the artists that I'm channeling in my mind. And I had a photo of Billy Ray Cyrus opened up on my computer as I was writing the record. So you, you made a vision board with these lyrics. That's sick. I agree. <laughs> and, you know, one thing that you said that I wanted to, to, to bring up is that, you know, Constantly, I want to commend you for, which is that you were focusing on overcoming the fear internally, so that way you could attract what you needed externally, right? right. They talk about that in this great book. If you haven't read it yet, everyone should read it. It's called "The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People." The primary takeaway from that, I want thick, to read that. yeah, got, I'll, I'll lend it to you if you want. I'll be happy to lend it to you. Thank but you. it's a it's a thick book by Stephen Covey. And he, the primary takeaway from it is that if you want to solve anything in your life, you have to first fix it internally within yourself. 
before you work externally on solving it. So yeah, and you can go run force into solving even the simplest solutions. But I think the first question you have to ask yourself is why do you want it? And if it's not a want, why do you need it? Like, what does it really do for you? And really digging deep into that and really kind of going through the inner workings of who you are as a person, requiring you, by the way, to actively relearn who you are. And it's this incredible kind of thought-provoking book that anyone who is trying to be anything really should read. It's, it's relevant to a lot of people, but Frankie, I see you as a leader and I see you as naturally kind of implementing a lot of the strategies that they talk about, a lot of the, the, the practices that, that they talk about in that book. And so when you described your father, you know, I want to say, may, may his memory be a blessing. And uh, yeah, what, what a, I think, I think human beings that are relentless have, have this common need to bring the best out of themselves in whatever that they are passionate about when they have their back against the wall like that. What a pivotal time that must've been for you when your father passed. Yeah, that man, it was crazy. It was interesting, bro, because, you know, at that time, um, there were other, other things happening. Like I had, um, all of a sudden discovered that I had a song that I had done way back in the MySpace days that was really bubbling in Brazil because, you know, somehow this, this DJ in Brazil, he somehow, he, you know, found the record online and I had taken it down at the time he had, he had been spinning the record in Brazil since about 2000, between 2006 or 2009, something like that. And I didn't know that holds period of time from, from 2009 to 2000, I would say 12. I had no idea that was happening. So I had all these people listening to my, my song every day in parties, you know, clubs, um, you know, uh, I was missing out on a lot of money too. A lot of, you know, broadcasting and stuff like that, because it, it was even on TV shows. So yeah, that, that's another story. So like I was, I had overcome my fear at that time, you know, like with my dad passing and, and, you know, everything happening that I've wanted to happen. Like I'm, I'm like working with these great people that I admired so long. And then, you know, I have a, people in Brazil, like, you know, reaching out for me, just wanting to hear what I, you know, had to say and was loving my music and wanted to see me and touch me. Like, it was just really, I want to say weird. It was weird, but at the same time, I felt like I knew why I was deserving all this happening at one time. It was because of what I was doing with myself, you know, how I was developing myself and understanding that, you know, there's everything has to have intention in order to work. And it's, it's almost like, it's almost like a target. You know what I'm saying? If you don't have a target to throw at, you know, you're never, you're never going to get to the destination because there is no destination. You got to know where you're going or where you want to go before you get there. Like the metaphor of, well, when the dog finally catches the mailman, what's the dog going to do now? 
right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. The same exact metaphor. I, I feel that on a lot of different levels. Hey, folks, we're going to take a quick break. And before we do that, I want to emphasize the fact that because of this pandemic, Mr. Thrive Media realized that we need to do a better job at supporting small business wherever we can. So enjoy. Hey, Thrivers, do you hear a certain difference in quality? That's because this podcast quality is made possible by Squadcast. Virtual recordings have become easier than ever with Squadcast studio quality SaaS remote recording platform. This cloud-based technology secures your files and minimizes post-production for all podcast producers. And I should know because I am one. Heighten the experience of your podcast by clicking the link in the show notes below. This podcast is a Mr. Thrive Media production. Mr. Thrive Media builds communities through its content marketing and networking events. During this pandemic, our dedicated team commits to the value of connection by producing podcast content while extending a helping hand towards artists and entertainment professionals. Mr. Thrive Media puts its values first by supporting small businesses and empowering emerging artists. For more information, visit www.mrthrive.com. That's mrthrive.com. The crazy thing about it is the the one person that's the most excited out of everybody involved in the process is Billy Ray. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So like, well, I'll I'll get to the point of my message really quick. Okay. Well, I'll I'll close the point. Okay. So, you know, there's so many things that happened th- throughout this process. Eight years later, here we are now, somehow, um, Billy Ray Cyrus hears the record. And as far as what I hear, it's, it's actually his, it was his idea to have Snoop as a feature on the record. So, you know, because he really loves Snoop, you know, uh, supposedly he's best friends with, you know, all the Snoop's heroes. So Snoop writes his verse around what I did, what I had written. And originally it was a it was a demo that was sung by myself. Um, it hadn't been recorded yet by Billy Ray, but you know, it was in the works. And so fast forward, um, Snoop records his part. It's crazy. And then we finally get in the studio in Nashville at Yamaha Studios to record Billy Ray with my song and lyrics. And, you know, when it finally got done, you know, I had already been so invested in the process of like understanding the sequence of events and how it happened up until that time that I was like, everything was just, just felt like so like regular to me. I wasn't flipping out. I was just like, okay, this just needs to get done. I wasn't high-fiving. I wasn't celebrating, but everything was happening. I was like, okay. It's happening. I, you know, typically, you know, people would say, oh, why don't you celebrate? Like, that's amazing. I'm like, you know, as soon as I do that, like I'll lose, I'll lose focus. So uh, fast forward, really, I think it's, it's in order to get to where you want to go and to get to the end goal. But what I've found in multiple situations like that is that, you can't break your composure. Don't break your composure. Okay. Don't lose composure until it's actually set in stone 
you know, in this case, the record is is out. It's on the radio. Everybody's downloading. Everybody's sharing. You know, Billy Ray and Snoop is performing it. We're getting a Grammy. That's when I can be like, <sighs> and I can look back like, dang. Because as soon as you do that in the process, if you do that in the process, you know, you're running risk of actually... I don't know. I th- I think I feel like it's just bad juju, basically, for the whole thing really happening. Because, you know, the fact that we're people and we're here, like we're all in the same boat, like we all have emotions and we're all trying to get to an end goal. And that's like providing for our family, being able to put food on the table, yada, yada, yada. Right. So we're all in this together. Nobody's more special than the next person, basically. So we're all working together for end goal. It's not advisable to get excited in the moment just because like, wow, he's so-and-so or this is happening. Like I've been working from this my whole life. It's not advisable to do that. So the intention and the goal is is for it to happen. Like it hasn't happened yet. Don't get too excited before everything's, all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed. Let that shit be released first before you can say, oh, wow, that's amazing. In my experience, it, it, it's been like that. Like I'll say, wow, I can't believe this is happening. And then you're losing sight of what's important is like, the, for the message to get out to the world to help somebody, that's what's important. When you see that it helps somebody, that's when you start high-fiving and celebrating because that's the goal. The goal is not for me to like put myself up on a pedestal just because I did something great. Fuck that. Wise There's a wisdom. Yeah. very important message behind this record. It's called Hardworking Man. And uh, in a time where... I, you know, the narrative out there, even more today, as well as like, you know, like it's like, it's almost like you don't feel like the man who is a hardworking person who has a family to take care of. You don't feel like, it doesn't feel like they're praised enough. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like, and you could, you could see, you could tell like when Father's, Father's Day comes around, you know, it's not a it's not a big deal. It's just like, wow, it's Father's Day. I'll get my dad some jeans or something like that. Yay. Mother's Day comes around. Oh, my God. I love my mama. She's getting flowers. I'm taking you out. We're going here. We're going there. Like and, you know, everybody's making posts about their mom and how much, you know, you know, she she did for them. And, so, and it, it's rightfully so. But, you know, the hardworking man needs an anthem, too. So I felt like that song came like at the perfect moment for me, like it was meant for me to write that record, being that my dad had just said those la- those you know dying words to me, never stop working hard, son. Wow. You know, and, you know, this had to be an anthem for because my dad was, you know, a lot of things that happened in my life greatly for me were a- actually as a result of my father. Um, doing what he did 
you know, he was a very like, he was a, what do you call it? A public servant, basically. He's touched a lot of lives of people, you know, um, Smokey Rob, man, a lot of people might, you know, the, the producer of this record, he actually helped him back when he was 12 years old. He was uh, Bobby Avila. You know, he told me when he found out my dad had had passed, he was like, man, your dad. I didn't. I had no idea that my dad had helped him. Well, I mean, I wouldn't have had an idea because I wasn't born at that time, I guess. But my dad had helped the, the music producer of Hardworking Man when he was 12 years old to get on the New Kids on the Block tour when he was 12. He was a child performer. And uh, that was that was, you know, a big thing, a big, you know, initiation of his career and he told me that man he was like man your dad did this for me and I'm like, I'm like wow it's almost like and you know it's it's important to take notes of these you know instances leading up to you know where you know um the situation is going to take you because you have to take notes so you know exactly what to t- to pass down to someone else you know, when they're on the rise, because it's, you know, it teaches you that it teaches you how important to know how important it is to know that this is, isn't all about you. Right. And it's a very humbling experience when you go through that. It isn't about you and it is about you. I would say that the part that isn't about you, you, you know, consequences are not about you. It's just a part of life. The, uh, the struggle that everyone goes through is is just a part of this uh, experience that we have as a human being. You're born in this world, not by choice. You're brought into it. And yeah. uh, that lack of free will is the pain that just is natural with life, including death, including waking up in the morning and getting to work again. You know, it's very real. Sure. But the part that's, that is about you is how you overcome that, how you choose to seek your life, how you choose to build inwardly and how you choose to execute outwardly. And it seems like you've kind of become a master of that. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that could use your mentorship to get to that level on a deep therapeutic life coach kind of way almost. And so you should be proud of yourself if you're not already. I'm proud of that, but it's almost like it's just, it's just it it's just an assignment that you have, you know, whether it's from God or wherever it's from, it's just, it's assignment that it's an assignment that you have because um, not everybody's born with the same qualities for some reason, like with the same abilities. And it's like, you know, if you have that thing, you know, if if you're, you, you, it's almost like the it factor, man, like, you can't, you can't manufacture an amazing performer like Beyonce, for example. Right. If it was that easy to create somebody like that and duplicate that, then it would be done over and over and over. Like that's special. Like that's that's what that's the epitome of it factor. Right. You know what I'm saying? If you ever like needed to explain the definition of the it factor to somebody, just say Beyonce. 
<laughs> right. You so, can't really define it without it being uh, like a name, you know, like like a, yeah. like a like a name that has some sort of influential relevance. Right. I mean, unfortunately, like, like that's kind of the way you have to explain it to people because we're creatures of like that's how we we understand things. We have to reference things. You know, that's just our simple minds as human beings. I think um, in many ways that that's, that's okay though. I think that that, yeah. when you say the it factor, we're thinking of individual people. You can't say that you have to do A plus B to equal C to make the mm-hmm. it factor. Everyone has a different journey to the it factor. Right. You can't, you, know? you can't make it up. And there's no, there's no formula. Like there's a formula to being better or being more skilled, mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. But there's a higher power. There's a higher importance of someone that is just polar, a polarizing being. You know what I'm saying? Right. You can't, you can't explain like um, walking outside. Right. And, everyone like feels like they, they they just want to say hi to you just and you can't like you can't explain that and because the next person will be you know that you could put the same clothing the same fragrance on somebody else and they'll walk outside and they won't get the same results you know what i'm saying it's weird how that works it it is weird how that works it, it's we are all our own perspectives or all our own per, per um we are all our, our perspectives are our truth. It's all we have to live off of. That's what I was getting at. Is that yeah. is that there's just science can only define so many things that we see right in front of us. But the reality is, is that there are so many factors in our lives that are so individual to ourselves. There's no science behind it. Yeah, me for example, mm-hmm. I've always grown up a very quiet, like soft-spoken guy. For some reason, I've always been a very popular guy. In school, I'm, I'm speaking of school and my neighborhood in particular. There's, there's a certain kind of attraction that I didn't realize early on that I had when it comes to like people just, you know, looking for somebody to, to, to hold on to. And I've always had this thing to where everybody was always like, you know, taking me in their arm and saying, hey, what's up? This this is Frankie. This is my guy. So, like, you know, what I'm what I'm getting at is like I always end up in those situations. And and that's always been my my journey when it comes to the music business. I always end up not only just contributing to somebody's art. Or, or making art with other people or making art for people, I always end up as a, a counsel almost mm. because, because I care and I'm a listener. Mm. As much as I don't like hearing other people's drama, for some reason, everyone loves to call me with their drama because they trust me and they, they know that I'm not going to spread their business out you know, so to speak, you know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. I'm just going to internalize it. And I'm probably nine times out of 10 going to give them 
my observation of them and what's making, what's causing the problem. And I'll, I'll tell them about themselves unapologetically. But I'm so, I'm so soft spoken that they accept it as not as threatful, harmful, you know, like they'll just, they'll just be like, damn, like you just slapped me in the face and, and I liked it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? People can be masochistic by nature. That's for sure. I will mm-hmm. say that I'm not a soft spoken person as everyone on this podcast knows, including you, but I have, at least through this podcast, I've been trained to become a better listener. And that's been part of my journey, especially that I've paid attention to a lot more is the idea that in order to be a good leader, you have to listen. And I try that on a regular basis. And a lot, I've, I've actually had to set the boundary with a lot of my friends uh, because of the fact that they see me as a therapist in many ways. And I, I, I love yeah. that people see therapeutic qualities in me. I'm so, so grateful for that. Yeah, I see it too. Well, thank you. One one of the problems that I have is that at some point they forget to ask how I'm doing and they just come to me with their problems. They don't say hello. And then I feel very misheard and it puts me in this very misunderstood place of being like, you know what? Like I do need to distance myself from you a little bit because you don't see me as a human being anymore. You're starting to see me just as your pair of ears and I cannot do that anymore. Oh, um, we're the same people, man. Yeah, we are. And you know what though? I've set that boundary and it reveals who my real friends are. And I'm very happy to say that when I've set that boundary in a healthy way, people still do come and, you know, I'm still able to hear them out and they're able to hear me out. And I want to get better at telling people what I observe about them. I really do. So that's something I admire about you for sure. Well, let me, let me offer you something. Yeah. Um, that will really help you because okay. it's helped me. Okay. Um, you mentioned that. Yeah, there, there are people that will take your, you know, generation, your, your generosity for granted. And I'm here to say, from my perspective, that's fine. And the reason why that's fine is because you got to look when you when you when you do like what you what you said, what you mentioned before and, and look internally. The reason why we offer ourselves and our our, you know, abilities and our, you know, just a piece of ourselves to the world is because we get joy out of that. And whether whether I give something to someone and they don't give back, if that happens, that's totally okay. I mean, you're still not gonna just go back to them and let them keep you know, walking over you and stuff, but at least you're not looking at it you know, in that light. Don't look at it. It's not negative what you said, and I and I get it, but I would um, I would I would say that you kind of got to just let it go. Like yeah yeah you you recognize that someone is just walking all over you now just because you know they know that you're gonna give and give and give because that's just of the fiber of your being. But at the same time, that that's okay, bro, because we we live and we die, man. Like what it was, what other purpose is it? And we're being examples as well, bro, because, you know, 
you don't you don't know like like that person could be like so self-centered and they see how you operate and then once you once you gain the level of success that you're striving for they're going to see that and that's going to be an example for them like wow how did they get there and you know i'm the way i am they're the way they are maybe i should change some stuff about myself just it's just about like continuing to be the example that you are don't worry about people walking all over you because that shit's just going to happen anyway well frankie i want to say i appreciate so much of what you said and so much of what you brought i know that you've given some valuable nuggets for listeners especially in the music industry to pursue and there's a lot of parallels to other industries I remember, for example, uh, there's there's a screenwriter that I'm personally friends with that has made it in the industry. And I sat with him one day, got dinner with him. And while we're sitting down and talking, I asked him, what's the best advice that you could ask, that I could ask for as a screenwriter? And his, his words to me were, just make the fucking script. Just make the fucking script. And that really is your approach, which is get it fucking done. You know, whatever, whatever you're trying to do, get to work and you are a man full of intention and full of ambition and your level headedness is going to take you so far. I'm so, so excited for you, Frankie. It's already taken you incredibly far. What is the best way that people can get a hold of you? Instagram, DM, everything is at Frankie Fade. At at Frankie Fade. Sounds good. And finally, Frankie, there's a question I ask everybody everybody on this podcast what will you be famous for i will be famous for my generosity generosity of information that helps people under me bring them up helps to bring them up Uh, Sharing information is what I'll be remembered for. Not holding back. Because it's important, man. Just information, bro. Like, when you get to a certain level, you have the know-how and you have the intel. It doesn't make sense to just keep it all to yourself. Because we have to help the next person. Because when we're dead, then shit, that's it. That's all we do. Like we, we're born and we die. We're born and we die. So why not, you know, pass pass it on, make somebody else's life a little easier. Frankie Fade, everyone, thank you so much for being on this podcast. It's really been great having you here. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. This podcast releases bi-weekly on Fridays. To attend one of our networking events, visit the registration link in the show notes or go to www.mrthrive.com. Would you like to be a guest on our show? Email chaz at mrthrive.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.